Good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to morning worship at Hillhead, wherever we may be this morning. You'll have spotted that I'm not Anne. Anne is not able to be with us this morning, so I will be just doing the welcome today. It is the third Sunday in Lent. It is also the Persian New Year. So a very happy new year to our Iranian friends and anybody else who may wish to join in with celebrating the new year today. We do have a special welcome this morning to Fiona Parrott. Fiona is a student with the Scottish Baptist College who is undertaking a kind of a hybrid workplace learning placement with ourselves and hopefully with the Golden Jubilee Hospital in Clive Bank. So a few people have already been put in touch with Fiona uh, to talk about the topics that she is specifically interested in. Fiona's not going to be preaching. That's not what her calling or interests are, but she is going to be worshipping with us on a few Sunday mornings. So let's just give Fiona a wave of, of welcome to Hillhead. And Fiona, if you're able to stay and chat at the end of the service, that would be lovely. But we totally understand if you need to get off and do other things. During our service this morning, I will be leading reflections on hearing Jesus teach. And we'll also hear some other voices. It's one of those strange Sundays when for various good reasons not everybody's able to be with us. But we will be hearing scripture read for us by Paul F., by Janet, by Roger and Nasi. Our musicians this morning are Paul and Neil on the trumpet. And look out for a very special new recording by some of our choir members, which is a Ukrainian Kyrie, which we will be using a number of times through the service. Special thanks to those who contributed to that and to Paul H, who's combined individual recordings into something really rather wonderful, in my opinion. And in a few minutes, um, Benjamin will be lighting our candle for us. Do please note that this evening's service has been cancelled because of illness, but the Lent reflections based on the musical Hamilton will resume next Sunday evening. A reminder that we can donate to the Lent appeal on behalf of Glasgow City Mission at any time up until Easter Sunday. There's really already quite a good level of, of contributions to that, so thank you for those who've already done so. But in the church magazine for the last month, you'll find the link to our Just Giving page. Moving on to family news, a number of our folk are not well at the moment. And we would like to remember especially Mary and Ian, Barbara and Ken and Anne and Brian, all of whom are currently affected by COVID. Lily remains in the Queen Elizabeth Hospital and I'm aware that there are some other folk who are undergoing medical tests at the moment. So please keep one another and especially these friends in your prayers at this time. But now it is time to light our candle. So over to you, Benjamin. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ like this day.
we come now to God with our prayers of approach, which will be followed by the Lord's Prayer. And as is our custom, uh, you're invited to join in with that in whatever language or form at is most familiar. We will today be using an on-screen presentation with no sound because it will be in British Sign Language. For the sake of those who don't sign, there will be subtitles. But you might like to keep your eyes open as we pray the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray together. God of all times, God of this time, it is good to gather in the name of Jesus to offer you our worship. We come bringing with us our experiences of yesterday, all that was good and life-giving, all that was mundane and ordinary, and anything that was disappointing or sad or that causes us regret. Please help each of us in a few moments of stillness to find even one thing for which we are grateful and to give thanks. And if there is something we now regret or that caused us sadness or disappointment, help us to hand that over to you. We come to you in the newness of today, gathering together to offer praise and prayer, to listen for your voice and to find new hope, new courage and new energy. Please help each of us in a few moments of stillness to become more aware of your nearness to us, clearing our minds of distracting thoughts and helping us to lay aside, for a while at least, all that disturbs and disquiets us, so that we may focus more fully on you. We come to you in the hope of tomorrow, the literal next day, when we will continue our ordinary everyday lives, and the eternal tomorrow, of your new or renewed creation. Help each of us in a few moments of stillness to rest in the assurance of your promised presence with us and to receive refreshment from your spirit and renewed hope in Christ. God of all times, God of this time, accept our praises and our prayers. In Jesus' name, Amen.
when we read the gospel stories, we're often told that Jesus was talking to a crowd. That crowd would usually have included disciples. So that is people who have chosen to learn from Jesus, people who are interested in him and in some way follow him, as well as possibly religious leaders and such as scribes and Pharisees. Sometimes we are told that he only talks to his disciples. And sometimes we are explicitly told that he is in private speaking with the 12, the ones who are named as his closest followers. At the beginning of Luke chapter six, which is our focus today, we're told that he is talking to a large crowd of disciples, as well as other people from all over Judea, Jerusalem and the coastal towns of Tyre and Sidon. There is no actual mention of any religious leaders being there. So we don't know whether there were or there weren't. But at this early stage in Jesus' ministry, perhaps they're not so interested in him. One way we can approach this story or this series of stories as part of our series of silent witnesses is to do so from the perspective of the crowd. Because in what we're going to hear, the only person whose voice is heard is Jesus. Now, any crowd is going to be a diverse group of people. It could have a shared aim. I guess those who went to watch the various Six Nations rugby matches yesterday had a common aim of seeing their team do as well as possible. And some were uh, pleased and some were disappointed. But whether it's a, a sporting event, a concert, a protest against injustice or an act of worship, these crowds are composed of individuals. And very often we won't know any of their personal stories. You go to a public event, you don't know anything about the person who's sitting next to you. And I guess this crowd listening to Jesus would have been a bit like any other crowd. There would have been those right at the front who could hear every word, who could even see his facial expressions. Perhaps they could lean forward and listen very closely. But there would have been those far away on the edges. And for those of you who like the life of Brian, there would have been those who thought he said, blessed are the cheesemakers or something to that effect. There would have been some who were bored, who'd been dragged there by somebody. There would have been some who were distracted. Maybe some were whispering or talking to their neighbours. Some of them would have been confused. I don't know much about crowd behaviour. I've never studied it. But we do know that there is such a thing as a crowd mentality, a kind of personality that, that can emerge within a crowd. And this crowd, as described, seems to have been very quiet. There's nothing that tells us that there was any anger or any frustration or any grumbling and mumbling, as we hear in some of the later stories. And as I started to think about that, I couldn't help but draw a bit of a parallel between the crowd that politely listened to Jesus and the congregation that politely listens to me. And that felt like a huge responsibility and a huge privilege. It always does. Sunday by Sunday, I'm always very conscious of that. But you will sit politely as you are, as I speak. And that's, you know, something I, I really appreciate. So what am I going to do with these readings today? Well, I've found myself trying to think about a number of questions. There's what is Jesus saying to me? What do I think Jesus is saying to us? And also, what do we think Jesus might be saying to us? Or to put it a little bit differently, we hear this, these readings as individuals, but we also hear them as a community, as a group of people trying to find out what it is God is saying to us, allowing God's spirit to help us to understand and interpret what's going on. So let's listen now for God's voice as we hear the first of our readings this morning. A reading from Luke chapter 6. 
Jesus looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. So let's begin with what we each heard. As an individual listening to those words of Jesus, what is it that I notice? Which, if any of those statements that we just heard read out, is closest to my own current experience? Is Jesus speaking to me a blessing or a warning? A promise of hope or a word of caution? How does that feel and what difference does it make? If I'm worried about paying my bills, if I can't afford to turn on the heating, if I have to choose between eating and paying the rent, how does it then feel to be told that I will inherit God's kingdom? Because pious words won't put food on the table and promises of something wonderful won't one day aren't going to stop me worrying now. On the other hand, if I have got more than enough to pay my bills, I can have some treats, I can save for or I can enjoy my retirement, I can upgrade my phone, I can book a holiday how does it feel to be told that I've already got everything, that that is as good as it gets? When possessions can't guarantee happiness, and actually this leaves me feeling disappointed. The promise that one day my tears and sorrow will be replaced with laughter sounds great until I'm reminded that the opposite is true too, that laughter and happiness are fleeting and sorrow is inevitable as part of life. Is there no middle course to be found that avoids these extremes, or at least that somehow works them into a more balanced way of life? These either or statements, this binary split between blessing and warning seems too simple because life is far more complicated than that. Even if all I think about is me and my experience. But what if I go further than my thoughts 
What if I set myself as part of a congregation of this community, quiet, even silent, hearing the words? What does it mean to listen carefully to what Jesus has to say? Because we're more than just a crowd. We're a community. And we're not just any community. We don't just happen to live in the same nation because we don't all live in the same nation or the same street or whatever. We're a community by choice. A community who deliberately covenant together. A community that understands itself as the body of Christ if not literally in this place, as I might have said a few years ago, then certainly in this shared virtual space. And that has to make a difference, doesn't it? We are in some measure in a relationship with each other. Or as the Apostle Paul describes it, with a body of Christ, interconnected and interdependent. We're told if one part of the body rejoices, the whole body rejoices. And if one part suffers, everyone suffers. But how true is that in our experience? What do we really know of each other's joys and sorrows, struggles and flourishing? Can we really rejoice in somebody else's good news? if we are overwhelmed by sadness or suffering? Is this all just pie in the sky? There aren't easy answers to those questions, but maybe they remind us of what we aspire to be. Our aim to be in covenant with each other as followers of Jesus. And so as we, we begin to ponder the complexity of these blessings and warnings for our life together and their implications, Lord, have mercy. Jesus said, I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Again, we begin as individuals hearing the words as they speak to us ourselves. Who is my enemy? Who actually hates me rather than disliking me or irritating me? Who really curses me, wishing me harm or suffering 
rather than being disrespectful or rude. Is the way that I'm treated abusive or abuse? Whilst the words of Jesus are stark and shocking, sometimes, and for some individuals, they don't actually match our experience. Sometimes, if we can identify an enemy, it is often based on an unquestioned cultural dislike for another nation or race, and not any malevolence shown towards us or those we love by individuals or nation states. Sometimes we use strong words like hate carelessly. If we say that we hate a television programme, or we hate a particular food, then we rob the word of its intensity and significance. The link of hate with an active desire for harm should never be underestimated. That is why hate crime is a real and dangerous concern. So how careful am I? How careful are we with the words we choose to use? Sometimes this isn't our experience, but sometimes it very much is. A menstruating teenage girl forced to remove sanitary protection as part of a strip search, motivated more by the colour of her skin than the possibility that she is using or carrying drugs, has been violated. She has every right to speak of hate or to refer to the police as her enemies. A woman held in jail in a different country, far from home for six years, because the powerful leader of a powerful nation has chosen to act in a certain way, has good reason for anger and hatred. A Ukrainian citizen gathering into a rucksack a few treasured possessions, grasping their pet cat in one hand and clinging tightly to their child with the other, fleeing for their life is surely permitted to use the language of enemy to describe the nation state of Russia. As individuals, especially if we happen to have experienced the outworking of hate, it can be impossible for us to respond to Jesus' words other than to say, don't be ridiculous. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you or abuse you. But we don't hear them on our own. We hear them as a crowd, as a community, and as a community who covenant to walk together. Alongside the body of Christ image, another phrase we often use to describe our life together is the priesthood of all believers. That strange thing that trips off our tongue and we don't often think about what it means. But I think it means, as you've heard me say before, something like, I'll be your priest and you'll be my priest and we'll each be each other's priests. And one aspect of doing that means that I will pray when you can't pray. And I will believe when you can't believe and you'll do those things for me and we'll do those things for each other. To ask somebody who is being abused to love their abuser is plain ridiculous. To expect someone forced to flee their home to bless the enemy is unreasonable. But perhaps if we take seriously this command of Jesus, somebody else can. Now, to be very, very clear, to love someone is not to condone or dismiss 
or deny that which is sinful. Part of loving is to recognise that as it is, to recognise the demand for truth and justice. But what love is able to say is that we are all God's children. We are all capable of redemption and repentance. And even if we can't do that, there are theologians, and I think it was Miroslav Volf who expresses it roughly like this. We are part of a tradition that believes in repentance, forgiveness and redemption. I can't do it on my own. And maybe I can't do it yet. But together we can work towards it. We can hold that as a truth to which we aspire even as we get lost or feel lost in the midst of it all. For those of us who are part of the crowd, really, who read the news or watch it on television, we have to be aware of that tension of naming what is sinful and praying for those who are caught up in the snare of sin. And I think if that makes us feel really uncomfortable, then maybe we're really beginning to grasp what Jesus is saying. We don't have time today to go into the non-violent but politically powerful actions that Jesus suggests people do. But we can surely hear his call for us to emulate the God who is merciful to all people. Do to others as you would be done unto. Lord, have mercy. Jesus said, why do you see the speck in your neighbour's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? How can you say to your neighbour, friend, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself do not see the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbour's eye. I've been there. A preacher says something, and I find myself thinking, now, if only so and so was here to hear that. Or as a preacher, sometimes I can find myself thinking, there's really somebody who ought to be hearing this thing that I feel compelled to preach, and I've prepared it really carefully. And sometimes I think, I really mustn't offend anybody by what I feel called to say. This saying of Jesus is at one level really funny. We have this metaphor of the tiny speck in one person's eye and the enormous great plank of wood in another's. But it's one of those passages upon which no preacher can reasonably comment. Because if you do, you're judging. You're spotting the specks in somebody else's eye and missing the thundering great plank in your own. 
It's a bit of a shocker, really. If I listen to Jesus, I have to stop looking around, seeing who's there on the screen or in the room and thinking, and this is for you. Because actually it's for me. But I found myself wondering this week if that metaphor might work at a corporate level. Can such a word be spoken to a nation, an organisation, an administration or a congregation? Might Jesus be saying something like, just stop looking at the church down the road or that denomination and pointing out what they're getting wrong and sort yourselves out first? Stop defining yourself by who you think you're better than, even perhaps on that particular matter you might be, and focus on becoming who you could be. And of course, the opposite is also true. Very often as individuals and as churches, we're very good at comparing ourselves negatively to others who seem to be more sorted or more successful or more spiritual than we are. Perhaps hypocrisy can go both ways. And perhaps it's not about hypocrisy. Perhaps it's about self-awareness and self-understanding and self-worth. Maybe it's about being honest with ourselves as individuals and as a community. Naming and celebrating what's good. And lamenting and transforming what isn't good. And maybe is actually bad. And doing all of that in an attitude of humility, gentleness and love. Better than somebody else or worse than somebody else isn't actually any help to us or to them. So perhaps as we seek to be true to who God's called us to be, it's good to remind us that God, what God requires us to be is to be ourselves motivated by love, alert to justice, and growing in faith. Lord, have mercy. said I will show you what someone is like who comes to me hears my word and acts on them that one is that one is like a person who building a house who dug deeply and laid the foundation on the rock when a flood arose the river brushed against that house but could not shake it because it 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 had been well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a person who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the river crossed against it, immediately it fell. And great was the ruin of that house.
come now to God with our prayers for others. Let's pray. Merciful God, who sees the whole of creation and yet knows every tiny detail about every one of us, we pause now to bring you our prayers for the world, the church and each other. Sometimes it all feels too big, too complicated, too overwhelming as we find ourselves part of a global crowd of silent witnesses. Silenced because we don't know what or how to pray. Silenced because we feel powerless or inadequate. Silenced because we're weighed down by local and personal circumstances known only to ourselves and to you. As we notice and name the causes of our silence, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We name before you the nation states of Ukraine, Russia, Poland and Hungary. Geographically close together, yet torn apart by violence and warfare. We name before you the nation states of Syria, Afghanistan, Israel, Palestine, Nigeria, Iran and Iraq, whose stories have been silenced as global attention turns elsewhere. We name before you China, now experiencing a resurgence of COVID infections, knowing that globally, thousands upon thousands of people continue to be infected with this killer disease. As we name those we can recall, seeking your healing and peace, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. This week, BMS World Mission invites us to pray especially for their work in Uganda. We lift to you Benyon Kayanja as he coordinates the work, especially as a number of mission partners prepare to return permanently to the UK later this year. We give thanks for the work they've completed and pray for effective and empowering handover to local partners who will continue the work. We give thanks for the range of projects BMS is able to support, from digging boreholes and installation of solar and other sustainable energy sources, to agriculture, to education, and to the safeguarding of children and young people. As we pray for those whose names we are told, and the countless others whose names we will never know, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Closer to home, the Baptist Union of Scotland invites us to pray for Gordon Jones, lead chaplain for NHS Orkney, as he and they face the unique challenges of island life. We pray for the congregations at Edinburgh Central, Edinburgh City Gates, and Cleland Baptist churches, each working hard to establish rhythms of worship and patterns of outreach for their unique contexts. Many churches are opening Renew Wellbeing cafes and other similar spaces where it is okay not to be okay. And we pray that these will bless all who visit. As we pray for those whose names we're told, and the countless others whose names you'll never know. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lastly, we pray for our own community, naming before you the many who are unwell in body, mind or spirit, asking that they will know your peace and love, as well as restoration of health and wholeness. And from our prayer diary, we name before you 
Jennifer, Neil and Jensen. Yang Yang. Antoinette and Spencer. Baya and family. Talash. Adi, Morji, Esther and David. Elham, Ali, Benjamin and Bardia. And Joy, our own BMS partner in Nepal. While some of these friends remain in Glasgow and we see them often, others are far away and some we may only know by their names. Yet each one is known, cherished and loved by you. So in confidence, we entrust them to your safekeeping. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Merciful God, accept these our prayers and empower us wherever we are and wherever we can to play our part in being the answers. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless us with the wisdom and insight we need as we do our best to follow Jesus in a world of complexity and confusion. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. <laughs>